You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. With me, as always, is Kip Adams. Kip, how is this Thursday, I guess, afternoon now treating you? Yeah, the fuse is lit. I'm kind of ready. It already kind of just feels like the weekend. I don't know if that's just like wishful thinking or just the the world we live in, Justin, where, or Jordan, where every day is a weekday. Like, sat, everyone is, gets excited for Friday and Saturday or uh, upset for Monday or excited about holidays. It's the world of the internet. It, it really never shuts down. So for us, it's, every day is kind of the same. But, uh, you know, it just kind of feels... Uh, I don't know, a little bit more energy in the air. I guess it's, you know, probably the Braves, you know, a 14-game win streak will kind of do that to you. These guys decided to take the first quarter of the season off, so they're kind of due. And, you know, I probably took the first quarter of the year off too. So, uh, you know, I feel kind of the same way. Ready to rock and roll. And, uh, you know, all these recruits getting on campus for Georgia, it's, it's kind of like it feels like December, really. Yeah, I mean, you look at the Braves, it's a 162-game deal, and that's how it is for us. Hey, we have slumps. We have, we have to work through some things. we got to get in the cage, work on some stuff. But, hey, yeah. we're rocking and rolling just like the Braves. Yeah, uh, I think uh, if, if that's the analogy we're using, I'm going to have to spend the rest of the week in the cage and probably rest of the month. But, uh, yeah, I think things are going pretty well for the Braves and for the that uh, overlap in the Venn diagram for, for Georgia fans. Uh, I think things are going pretty well for Georgia recruiting right now. There's a, a lot of uh, positive uh, vibes and a lot of just uh, – uh, just good energy in Athens right now, you know, coming off that national championship, but also just uh, Kirby Smart still knows how to recruit. And I think, we, you know, we're going to start seeing some of the the benefits of, of his ability to recruit in this cycle uh, start to kind of pay off over the next couple of weeks. It just seems like a lot of these guys are ready to get their decisions out there and they're making their decisions. And, and George is kind of putting themselves in good positions to kind of pick and choose who they want to add to the class this summer. So looking at today's episode of the podcast, obviously we had a, a podcast a couple of days ago and we wanted to really focus this one on the mailbag, let uh, people on the board ask questions. Also for you guys watching, if you have questions, throw them in the comments. We'll try to hit some of those as well. Uh, but Kip and I, you know, we got Rusty still out there on the road, uh, you know, covering and going out to a bunch of different schools with teams getting ready for the fall. Um, having a chance to talk to some of those recruits. Kip and I decided we were going to answer some questions today. Uh, just uh, have an opportunity to see what people want to know and, and try to give them uh, give them what they want. Uh, so, Kip, I'll start this thing off, and we can kind of bounce back and forth through just various ones we've got. And uh, the first one I got pulled up, I think we got to start with Arch Manning question. Uh, Roswell Dog asked, probable commit date for 23 QB. I'm not exactly sure who he's talking about there. It could be any 23 quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I'll let you uh, go after me. You know, we're just kind of projecting. I don't think anyone knows for sure when Arch is going to make a decision. My guess is maybe mid-July. My guess is that he's going to want to try to wrap this thing up before his senior year really gets started on the football field. And, you know, I can't blame him. Can you imagine if Arch has not 
committed what it's going to be like on Friday nights as he's trying to play through his senior year. My guess is mid-July he makes a decision, and then uh, you know we all kind of see what happens after that as he tries to uh, go out on top as a senior in high school. Yeah, I can't imagine what it would be like for for that high school uh, coaching staff at Newman High School there there in Louisiana or, or his teammates. Uh, I'm sure uh, you know reporters and and probably coaches have probably uh, tapped into his his high school teammates as well, just trying to get a feel for where Arch stands. And it probably got pretty old a long time ago uh, for Arch. I would imagine somewhere between his freshman and sophomore season, it probably got a little old for him. It's, you know, it's, it's just tough in the social media age. You, you don't really get a, any downtime or any uh, time to hide from other people's social media. You kind of go somewhere. It's just what happens when you have that last name. And he's also a pretty good quarterback. So it's just, it's kind of a combination of everything for me. I, I think before the senior season has, has been the goal, you know, throughout his recruitment, I, I do not think, you know, he's made that final decision. And that's what, you know, people always assume that, you know, leaning a certain way, he might be leaning a certain way, but I just don't think that's that's where things are with him or just really with that family and the way that they've approached this process. It just really is about looking into every single aspect of the programs that, that he's looking into. And obviously it's a big week for him. I mean, he's taking this, you know, the, the official visit uh, to, to Texas is, is, is upon us and it's, and then that's it really. I mean, does he take any other visits the rest of the month? I mean, I'm not expecting it at this point. I think this is it. And if this is the last time he's going to see, uh, you know, any college coaches before he makes a decision, and then, yeah, I mean, th this is a big time for him. And I think right now, Georgia's done everything you could have hoped for with his recruitment. And I think they put themselves in a really good spot with him. Uh, it's just one of those where it's just going to come down to, to how they feel uh, when it is decision time. If that's July, if that's early August, uh, it's going to kind of get into that um, that period where the schools are trying to, to make a final move over the phone. It's, it's just, like I said, it feels like it's December. And in December, after the official visits, you get into that dead period. And then, then it's, they're just trying to, to make uh, any momentum moves they can over the phone, you know, FaceTime, however they can do it that way, which is just really interesting because, uh, you know, you try to get them on campus, you try to get that, you know, that face-to-face -face time, get them there with the staff. And then now you're just trying to get them on the phone and talk to them and, 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 you know, make those final pitches. At this point, I can't imagine what the Texas coaching staff or Georgia coaching staff would want to say to, to Archer's family or have anything else to say, because I'm sure they spent hours upon hours telling them everything they can about their program. But I, I you know, both schools have kind of put, you know, all their eggs in this basket is it, it's, you know, it's up to Arch and his family right now. And yeah, I think, I think that decision happens in, in if not the next month and next month and a half. Kip, if you want to pick a question uh, from uh, the board, if not, I can throw another one either way. Yeah, let's just let's just move on down uh, down the road. I'll kind of stick with the recruiting ones here. Uh, Justin zero five two eight one six. I'm going to uh, you know make an assumption here and say that that's probably a date, Justin, for you. And if uh, if it's a date you graduated from somewhere, congratulations. Or if it's an important date in your life, congratulations. But his question is uh, about the offensive line board. He knows that the offensive line board's a little up in the air, but they got two guards committed so far, and they want to, he wants to know 
where Georgia kind of stands with TJ Shanahan. You know, he came off his official visit and we had the story on Dogs 247. I mean, it was a glowing report. And so he wants to know about where things stand with him. And also, you know, is Georgia in the mix seriously for the uh, the five-star offensive lineman, Samson Okunlola? And so, you know, I kind of talked about that on the last podcast. It's just Georgia is in a very interesting situation along the offensive line here. It's, uh, you know, they, they, they have guys committed right now. Uh, you know, they, they've gotten Bo Hewley committed right now, and, and they also have Raquiz McElderly committed as well. You know, two really, really impressive recruits, and then they just picked up Joshua Miller. That's the kind of one that kind of uh, maybe changed things or opened some eyes. The, the Georgia might not have a lot of spots left on the offensive line. He's also an interior offensive lineman. So as far as the interior offensive line is concerned, they got two guys on board right now. Uh, do they take another interior offensive lineman? And, and TJ Shanahan is one of the best in the country, uh, a very talented guy that probably is going to end up playing on the interior offensive line in college. So, hey, you're asking that question. Does Georgia take a third interior offensive lineman? You know, I think it would just uh, it have to really be the right one because obviously they're going to look for another offensive tackle. They have both committed right now. They want to keep them on board, but. Uh, they're trying to get another guy uh, that can play tackle for them. So that's probably what they're trying to figure out first. You know, what? Uh, who else is out there that can, that can help us, you know, that at that position? And, and it's kind of, like I said before, two guys that have I've kind of uh, been paying attention to. One is Monroe Feeling, Freeling out of uh, South Carolina. I think he's a guy that George is in a really good place with, a top 100 recruit. And as you said, uh, Sampson is, is a five-star offensive lineman that, you know, he really isn't at that stage in his recruitment yet. You know, he's uh, taking an official visit to Alabama, Michigan State. I think Georgia has a great chance to get an official visit. And they have him, uh, you know, on campus this week with his team for the seven-on-seven seven that Georgia's holding. I, I think they're going to position themselves well to also get an official visit for him. So that, that's really all you can ask for uh, with Stacey Searles and what he's trying to do in his first recruiting cycle here at Georgia. I think they're in a good spot to, to land one of those two guys. And then also, it doesn't even stop there. Uh, you know, we mentioned on the other show that, that Georgia, you know, has another offensive lineman that they're, they're probably trending with right now. And that's Kelton Smith out of Carver uh, High School in Columbus, Georgia. He's a guy that can kind of play all over the offensive line at 6'5", 300 pounds. And I think that Georgia's in a really good spot for him. So, you know, you land a spot, a guy like that, and it's really just one more position spot left on the offensive line, unless there's some movement, you know, on the current commitment list. So when all is said and done, I think when you're looking at guys like, you know, TJ Shanahan and, and some of these other guys that Georgia's been recruiting, like Madden Sanker, uh, it just comes down to Georgia sticking to their board and, and having to uh, to make those tough decisions, which is what separates you know them them from us. Uh, they they have to make those decisions and look at their board and, and make that call. And and when they took a guy like Joshua Miller, uh, I think it shook the board up a little bit there. And, and I think that right now they have one spot at tackle and and maybe one spot on the interior offensive line. That could be it for this cycle. What really struck me, and I think we talked about this the other day, Kip, is how much Georgia's really looking for versatility with those offensive linemen to have guys that maybe if they pencil to play interior or even play at tackle that they can move those guys around. 
Uh, wanted to shout out a couple of the comments. Bryson Hood saying, "If Arch commits UJA, I will chug a bearded iris for Kip." Uh, Kip, your your thoughts on uh, that claim? Well, that tells me that uh, he's probably a you know a big fan of Nashville. It's a city that uh, does a great job in the in the craft beer arena. Uh, bearded iris, man. If you if you get that double home style. Go for it, man. Uh, I like to see that. Make sure you uh, post that video on the junkyard so we can all enjoy that celebration chug. You know, for me, I, I guess I'll just, you know, stick with Georgia. It's a, it's a creature comforts for me. If you give me, you know, a Tropicalia, you know, or a, a Cosmic Debris, uh, you know, I could probably finish it fairly quickly or, you know, hold on to it for a little while. I won't be doing any celebrate chugs for, for Arch Manning, but you know what? For Dogs 247, you know. Anything's possible for, for this fan base and, and the guys watching the pod and listening to the pod. But Bryson, I, you know, I applaud you, buddy. Uh, it's, uh, it, it'll keep you hydrated. It's, it's 95% water. It's just that 5% you got to keep an eye on. Yeah, we'll be working whenever that commitment happens. We'll save the beers for later, that's for sure. Uh, before we take a break, a couple questions in the chat about A.J. Harris. I know Rusty Manziel is going to have some intel a little bit later today on the board. Be sure to watch out for that. But let's just talk very generally about A.J. I mean, what we have gotten to see from him as far as Georgia's pursuit of him and, you know, where he may factor into things by the time things are said and done. Yeah, uh, very talented defensive back out of Central in Phoenix City, Alabama. Georgia got him on that official visit to the start the month and it's he's kind of just had one of those roller coaster recruitments and it's just termed that there's a lot of twists and turns he has been a guy that you know if you get him on campus he's going to come out of there saying not just good things about you but you you might be his leader he's just had several leaders throughout his recruitment you know uh georgia early on uh was you know the considered the front runner and then Alabama has been in the mix for a while. Clemson was thought to be, uh, you know, probably at the top, if not, if not the top school. And then, you know, Florida with Corey Raymond, you know, maybe considered the the best recruiter uh, among secondary coaches in the, in the country of any college. And that was a big gift for Florida to get him on staff. And so that there was some momentum there with A.J. Harris. But, you know, here we are recording this show and, he was expected to be at Florida for an official visit this weekend. As of now, we're not really expecting that official visit to happen. And I just think that's very telling of maybe where his recruitment stands, being that, you know, he's had that official visit to Georgia, hasn't taken another one. And a guy that, you know, if you're Georgia, Fran Brown, secondary coach at Georgia, That'd be a pretty big recruiting win, you know, coming there from Rutgers. A lot of people were, you know, wondering how well will he recruit at Georgia? Uh, does Georgia just recruit itself? Is Kirby Smart worried about, you know, how strong of recruiters you have in the staff? But since Fran Brown's been at Georgia, I think you, you've seen it. The, the secondary recruiting has, has been, you know, just extremely strong. And I think that this would be one of those uh, – victories where you you know you kind of say wait I, I think maybe Fran Brown might be you know one of those guys and maybe Kirby Smart still knows what he's doing when it, and it comes to hiring coaches especially on defense it's just AJ is one of the most talented defensive backs in the country I think at 6'1 180 pounds he could play anywhere in the secondary just like I said with the offensive line I don't think uh there's a school that puts more of a premium 
on being able to play anywhere in the secondary than Kirby Smart does at Georgia. I mean, he wants his defensive backs to be able to play, you know, that star position, uh, cornerback and safety as well. He wants that versatility, uh, and that's why usually they look for guys that have size. And at 6'180 pounds, uh, you know, A.J. Harris checks those boxes. He's very athletic, and I, I think it would be a huge win for Georgia if they're able to land his commitment. It's just one of those where, uh, you know, you have to just kind of – wait and see how many more twists and turns there are in his recruitment. If there aren't any more, I like where the dogs sit right now. Had a chance to watch AJ at my old job covering preps down uh, right around uh, East Alabama. Very talented guy, somebody that obviously uh, is highly coveted and for good reason. He's a very talented player. Uh, So we're going to take a quick break real quick. Keep the questions coming in the chat. We're going to hit up also some more questions we got on our board. Uh, But real quick, we'll take a break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Well, we've gotten a lot of recruiting questions. I wanted to jump back in with a question that was actually about the 2022 team. Talk a little bit about that. Manny had a question, and he asked, with Stetson not being the most vocal leader, who on offense is the vocal leader the team depends on? What changes have you noticed? This was like a three- or four-part question. So there was that one. Uh, what changes have you noticed out of Kirby since the championship? And how is the offseason with Kirby compared to the last offseason? Final question is, who is the guy on defense and guy on offense you think can surprise and become all SEC caliber? Uh, I'll start with the vocal leader thing. I really think that this is a year where we're going to see Stetson grow in this area. And I say that because of what I heard from him during the spring. I mean, he talked about, you know, when you think about this time last year, back in 2021, he was taking third team reps. This wasn't a guy that really could afford to be a vocal leader. I mean, this wasn't a guy that factored into Georgia's plans. I really think that Stetson's going to step up in this manner. I think he's going to be a guy that feels more comfortable. He's had the games. He's had the reps. He's obviously had the big moments and the victories for Georgia. I think it is fair to say that he probably wasn't as much of a vocal leader before. You think about just how the situation played out with JT Daniels. Obviously, you know, we're coming up, we're about a month away from SEC Media Days. 
There was a day after JT Daniels spoke at Media Days that he all of a sudden became the Heisman Trophy favorite, the betting favorite. Uh, think about all of a sudden you get plopped in to have to play in that guy's position in his place. You know, I think it was a situation where Setson probably didn't feel as comfortable trying to lead and, and trying to speak out and say, well, let's run routes this way. Let's do this. Let's do that. I think we'll see a lot of growth in that manner as far as Setson goes. And I think he's going to feel a whole lot more comfortable being that QB1 compared to last year. Um, Kip, any thoughts on that as far as Setson as a vocal leader or other guys you think could step up in that position? Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're talking about offense, I think you have to look at uh, a guy like Cedric Van Pran. I mean, that's that's the guy for me that uh, you're replacing guys who were vocal leaders in Justin Schaefer and Jamari Sawyer. You know, those guys uh, came back for a reason. And so you have to look to see who on this offensive line, you know, could be the next guy, maybe not just with his eyes in the NFL, but wants to go out on, on a, you know, similarly to the way Sawyer and Schaefer did, wants to go out on top. Uh, Cedric Van Pran's a guy that if he has a, a great season, he's, you know, he probably will head to the NFL. I mean, he's just, he's played really good football for Georgia, been, you know, one of their best centers, uh, arguably the most talented center, you know, under Kirby Smart. And do they have other guys that are returning? You know, you got Warren Erickson, you got Warren McClendon. Obviously, Broderick Jones has uh, got as much upside as any offensive line in the country. But I just think having Van Pran as a guy that was, you know, that he was right there at center. He played on, you know, most of Georgia's snaps during their championship run. And so that yeah, that gives him that experience. And he was in charge of keeping everyone on the same page during that championship run. So you have a guy who knows what it takes to play at that level or to have that team running the way it should be in offense. It's, you know, it's definitely Cedric. You're going to have some new guys working in there. Uh, you know, he hasn't really had a chance to play in a football game with Tate Ravlich if he comes back. And then, you know, at left guard, you're probably going to have a, a new guy playing there as well. So he's going to be important to – to make sure those guys are playing at the same level that where uh, Jamari and Justin were last year. So I just think he's going to at least need to be vocal in his position room, if not if not the whole offense. And then I think it's pretty easy on defense. Uh, that's Nolan Smith. Uh, you have a guy that, again, like I said before, coming back uh, for your senior year, uh, that means that you're on a mission. And obviously, no one still wants to prove he was that number one overall recruit and, you know, increase the draft stock. That all makes sense. But, I mean, this is kind of his team right now. It's just he's he's been there. Uh, you know, he started the show Flashers last year. I think, you know, he had a solid year. Uh, he had a lot of stars around him. We saw the draft, how many guys were around him. And now it's, you know, it's him and Jalen Carter. And, 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 you know, you got Ringo in there as well. But. I just think as far as vocal leadership, I think Nolan Smith is kind of that guy who can make sure that, you know, you, you're keeping that defense playing up to the standard that Kirby Smart expects for, for Georgia football to have every year. Rattle through those other questions that Manny asked. Uh, as far as Kirby, what's changed? Not a thing that I've seen. And I think if you're a Georgia fan, that should excite you. I mean, there's no sense of content about being satisfied. Uh, the thing that Kirby talked about, uh, during the spring was he kind of pushed back on the idea of being defending champions. He said, basically, this starts all over. You know, this is a new team with new goals, with new aspirations, and what happened last year doesn't amount to a whole lot. So, you know, I don't think anything's changed from Kirby. 
Uh, I think it's just the the same way that it's been before. And again, if you're a Georgia fan, I think you should be happy about that. I don't think that you should look at that and, and wonder. I think that shows you the kind of drive he has. I don't think he's satisfied and neither is this team and they want to go try to win some more. Yeah, definitely. I think for, for Kirby smart, it's it, something he also just learned is just, you know, how to, how to maintain your practices, when to turn it on and when to turn it off. And when you hear all the players talking about how uh, the practice is harder than the games, I just think, you know, that kind of showed you a lot, just also just how talented the team was last year. I mean, now we know like it probably was the, the hardest, uh, you know, opponent they faced during the season. I mean, obviously Alabama, but just overall, uh, when they were going up against each other, uh, they were really pushing each other. And so I think he just learned, you know, when when to throttle on and when to t- you take a little bit off the gas. And, and now he knows exactly what it takes. But at the same time, he knows how to adjust, you know, or that SC championship game, like when, when you can kind of notice when your players are complacent, there's a lot you can take from that and know that you're going to have different, you know, ad- kinds of adversity this season. It's just, you can't expect things to just stay the exact same every year. Uh, just, I mean, looking at uh, the type of team Georgia put on the field last year uh, in this year of, you know, this era of offensive football, they had one of the best defenses of the 21st century, but at the same time, one of the most efficient offenses. It was just kind of – there was some synergy there. But, you know, you might have to adapt to something different this year. Uh, maybe uh, it's the offense that's kind of uh, helping the defense get a breather by, you know, having longer drives, but also just continuing to be explosive. It's just something that he's learned that you have to adapt as the year goes on. And, and you know, now that – He's seen what it takes. I think he's going to be able to apply all of his lessons learned over the you know the last couple of years to to kind of make some changes on the fly and and not wait and, and uh, until you're in the SEC championship game to to learn that maybe you should have changed you know maybe a couple of weeks ago. Other question: We can both kind of do this one a little more rapid fire. Who could kind of surprise as all SEC caliber offense and defense? Defense, two guys I think of: Zion Logue, I think is a guy that can play really well alongside Jalen Carter, uh, and also Robert Bill. It was kind of quiet. He wound up leading the team in sacks. I think that he has a big opportunity ahead of him. As far as offense, you know, trying to be thinking of guys who surprise. I don't think like an AD Mitchell or somebody like that would surprise. Maybe Kenny McIntosh, maybe the guy kind of stepping up as that lead back, especially with his pass catching ability. He's probably who I would target as a guy on the offensive side that truly would surprise and have a chance to be all SEC. I like it. Uh, for me, you know, there's just, you've got to start looking at what guys have the ability but haven't been able to stay on the field. And for offense, for me, that that's Arian Smith. You know, he's a guy that if he's on the field and, and he's healthy, he's got a chance to, you know, really take it to the house anytime he touches the ball. He's just one of those guys that could probably average over 20 yards a touch. It's just really all about whether he can stay healthy over the season. And I mean, as we've seen, I mean, this, the offense is different when he's on the field and, and he's that type of player. And yeah, Georgia's wide receivers, you know, if they're, are they going to rotate? Who Are they going to rack up stats? I'm not sure, but he's a guy that getting up with, you know, 40 catches, but you know, probably take 12 or 13 of them for touchdowns. It's just he's that type of player. Uh, so I think on offense, I really like him. Yeah, on defense, I think you start looking at some of the guys that are replacing guys that went to the NFL and, and who could who could really step up. You know, I, I'm going to look at a guy like uh, Kamari Lasseter. I think he's a guy that 
you know, he, he handled those cornerback duties, uh, you know, opposite Ringo during the spring. He missed G-Day, but I, I think he's in a position to kind of step in there and, and develop into a, a solid starter. And if people are, you know, keen in on Ringo, he's going to have an opportunity to make some plays. Uh, I mean, if, if people, if the opponents are, they see Ringo on the opposite side of the field, they're like, I'm not throwing to that side. Then I think if Kamari is that starter, if he's able to, you know, fend off these talented freshmen that are coming in, he's going to be all the better for it. Usually that pushes these players. And we've seen it at Georgia time and time again with highly recruited guys come in and, and you have a guy that you're already seeing people mark them off the depth chart and move them down. A lot of times those guys push themselves and, and they prove that they're pretty good football players too. And, and Kamari played a lot as a, as a true freshman, you know, national championship team. And I think he's a guy that can really, really be a, a solid starter for this team. And if he makes a lot of plays in the ball, that's usually what all SEC selections get. The, the people look at stats. So if he has four or five interceptions because they're throwing to him a lot, he could be a guy who can make one of these teams. Kip, hit us with the next question. Which one you want to tackle next? Let's roll through these. You know what? Uh, let's see if we got anything else recruiting. I know it's a, it's, it's a big question right now. Uh, let's let's go with uh, the defensive line. Uh, I'm a Rhino 88. He asks, what's up with uh, Georgia commit seven cloud? Is there a scenario where they take uh, uh, Ja Jarrett? Sadir Mitchell and seven or is seven someone they see as more of a three tech defensive tackle as opposed to zero tech. Yeah. Here's the thing with seven cloud. It's a situation where, uh, you know, he's had, he's switched schools. I believe he's back at McEachern, but uh, it, it is a situation where we're kind of just waiting to see if, uh, you know, how he's doing in class. It's just not something that we really broach. On our side, we're not uh, checking GPAs or transcripts of these guys, and we're not really going to ask him that. Uh, but, there, I mean, you haven't heard anything from him because he's just kind of been off the grid and hopefully focusing on that aspect uh, of, of his recruitment and making sure that you know he can be eligible to play at the next level. I don't see him in Georgia's class when all is said and done. I could tell you that the other guys you mentioned, uh, Georgia wants those guys uh, on their defensive line class for sure. Uh, they get Jared and Mitchell. Uh, those are the big defensive linemen uh, that Georgia's known for, and we just saw in the draft. Those are exactly the type of guys uh, they want to get on that defensive line. So for sure, they definitely want you know those two guys on their defensive line, and you know I, I think that they, they continue to look and and probably take one or two other guys and. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty good segue. I think if you're if you're looking at this weekend, it's they got some pretty good defensive linemen coming in from Alabama this weekend that that they would love to have in this class, and I think that uh, they would put right in there next to to those guys and and give Trey Scott a, a pretty solid defensive line class. We'll try to go through a couple more of these kind of rapid fire. Uh, Matt bleeds red black asks, who is the next Georgia football legend that gets something named after themselves, either in Sanford or on campus? The two names that popped up in my head and Kip, you can give what you think. Uh, Garrison Hurst is the guy that was a Heisman trophy finalist. And, you know, I was thinking about it. Today. I was like, there really isn't to my knowledge, much sort of honoring him in Athens. The other one to me is Mark Rick. I mean, think about the success he's had. The fact too, he's back in Athens now. Seems like it'd be a good opportunity to honor him as well. Oh, definitely. I mean, I think uh, naming uh, part of the you know the the Georgia facilities after Mark Richt would would be a huge huge uh, honor for him and a great way to honor him. Um, yeah, it just 
it's it's how far back do you want to go with honoring some of these guys? Because obviously, if you're just looking at all time greats, I mean, guys like David Pollock and, and Champ Bailey would come to mind. Just you know, guys that, that have done a lot for Georgia. But you know, it's it's tough to really get into the the workings of of how things get named for people. I think uh, you know, there's there's a lot of money involved in that as well. Uh, but if you're just honoring someone, uh, I think starting with Mark Richt is probably the way I would go, just because he he really took Georgia from, you know, they were not in a place of strength and and put them in the position to where, you know, they can compete. And I think it, you, Kirby Smart would be the first to tell you uh, there's not a there's not a coach that could walk into a, really a better situation than than what where he put uh, Kirby Smart at Georgia. And just overall, a lot of these guys in the roster, I mean, you look at Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, uh, Lorenzo Carter, the, you know, those guys uh, really built the foundation. And those guys, you know, they, they wouldn't be there uh, if it weren't for Mark Rick. King Georgia asks, Stetson Bennett over under 3,200 passing yards and 32 touchdowns. I thought about this one, kind of looked at it before. I am going to say he goes over 3,200 yards. He was, I think he threw for about 2,800 last year, but he didn't play, obviously, the whole season. There was, you know, a couple games where, uh, he had, you know, thrown for 60, 70 yards, whatever it was. Uh, well, based on his average when he actually played, I think he can get over 3,200. I think 32 touchdowns is a – I would probably go slightly under. I think that's a good spot if you were betting, uh, you know, where to set that line. I'm going to go slightly under the touchdown mark, but I think he surpasses 3,200 yards passing. I think they're the over for both is fairly easy as long as Georgia plays in enough games. If Georgia's playing in the SC championship game uh, and then uh, playing in a you know a college football playoff game, you know I, I, I like Bennett for the over for both. Obviously, we're assuming health and Georgia playing in enough games. If if he's if he's starting fourteen games or potentially fifteen games. Uh, just with the way I think the offense is going to be as well this year, uh, I, I think it's it's a pretty fair assumption that he should be able to get uh, over on both. And again, uh, that would that would put him what he's that would put him well over. Uh, it'd be seventy five hundred yards passing for his career, and then what over seventy touchdowns. Uh, one of the most prolific uh, quarterbacks to play at Georgia, and it's just uh, it's pretty entertaining to say that now. Uh, just knowing where we we've been on these podcasts uh, a year ago, two years ago, um, uh, an incredible story. Uh, every you, you hear that every time with Stetson Bennett, but it truly is. It's uh, one of the best college football stories of, of of my lifetime for sure. Something that could be made in an, into a movie, no doubt. Well, before we wrap up this episode, let's talk about this weekend, Kip. What are we sort of expecting? Uh, I can chime in a little bit about two guys that we're expecting from over in Alabama. Um, but just your your sort of feel for what's coming this weekend and, again, how important this weekend can be for Georgia. Yeah, they've had 22 official visitors on campus already, and uh, we're expecting, as of now, uh, nine official visitors uh, to be in Athens this weekend as we record this show. Obviously, it, it's recruiting. Uh, it could still fluctuate, and it actually it did last week after we put out our, our official visitor list uh, for that weekend. So as of now, we got nine coming in, and there's some pretty big names. I mean, if we're just going straight on just re- recruiting rankings and, and high-profile positions, I guess it all starts with, with Richard Young, the five-star uh, running back out of Florida, Lehigh Acres. Uh, he's already taken official visits to Oklahoma, Alabama, 
and uh, Notre Dame. And so this is George's opportunity. He's got Oregon next week, but this is George's opportunity to kind of showcase what he can do in this program and in this offense. And so we've said it for a while. Uh, this is a huge cycle for Dell McGee. Um, Georgia has typically been able to recruit at a very, very high level at the running back position. And this is a cycle where Del McGee probably he needs to get two running backs this cycle. And when I talked about Justice Haynes on the last podcast, I like where Georgia is with him. Uh, if they're able to land him, that's one. But uh, you want to get two talented guys if you can. And they really don't get much more talented than Richard Young. So I think right now, heading into this official visit, Alabama's considered the team to beat. But I think Georgia is the one pushing there. If any team's able to beat out the Crimson Tide for running back, I think it's going to be Georgia. And so this is a big opportunity for Del McGee with him. And then for the other guys, for me, at the wide receiver position, it's you, you got guys that, again, the other position we're watching this cycle is, can Brian McClendon bring in an elite wide receiver class? And he probably needs four guys in this class. He's getting two of his top targets in town this weekend. And Malik Benson, the number one overall Juco prospect in the country, Highlight film, incredible. Uh, a guy that really, really kind of uh, set the junior college world on fire his freshman season. He's a guy that is uh been recruited by Brian McClendon very heavily since he came on board. Uh, he named Tennessee as leader uh, after his official visit last weekend. That comes after LSU and Oregon already hosts him. So, you know, he's, he's, at, he's coming off an official visit to Alabama this week. I'm interested to see... If he says where where things are heading into his visit with Georgia, uh, but I think he's a you know he's a guy that Brian McClendon really likes. He went and saw him twice during the evaluation period out there in Kansas at Hutchinson Community College, and so that's a big battle if Brian McClendon can go out there and and beat you know a program like Alabama and then a program like Tennessee that really threw the ball around under Josh Heupel last year. So they have kind of some numbers that they're able to recruit wide receivers with. And the other guy, Hakeem Williams, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, he's a top 50 overall prospect. I mean, he could be the top wide receiver prospect uh, out of high school for, for Brian McClendon right now. Uh, he's a guy coming off an unofficial visit to Texas A&M. He was in college station for their spring game as well. Texas A&M is considered the team to beat. They feel confident about where they stand, but I'm not counting out Georgia for him yet. I think that with the September decision, it's possible that, you know, he sees Georgia play before he makes a decision. It's also possible he takes an unofficial visit to see Georgia play before he makes a decision. So I'm not counting him out in his recruitment just yet and getting him in town this weekend. It's probably good news for the dogs. Two guys that I'm really interested in when it comes to Georgia right now, James Smith and Jaquavius Rasal. Two guys from Carver Montgomery, a school I know just a little bit about from covering high school football in Alabama. You know, the talk is that Smith, who's a defensive lineman, and Rasal, who is an edge rusher, uh, that they want to go to the same school. I mean, that there's an opportunity for those guys to play together at the next level. We'll see if that happens, but two very, very talented guys. Uh, with a whole lot of options. I'll be really intrigued to hear uh, what comes out of that. I'll also be intrigued, depending on whatever happens in their recruitment, where they wind up. Because I've heard before, going through recruiting, when guys say they're going to go together, I think uh, immediately Central Phoenix City, Javion Cohen and Joshua Jones, I'd heard they were wanting to go together. Well, Javion's at Alabama and Josh uh, Jones is at Kentucky. So it doesn't usually work out th that way. But two really talented guys out of Alabama, and I think two guys that Georgia 
uh, would be really excited about if at the end of the day they're able to land them. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I mean, it's a little different with these guys. Oftentimes when you have guys that say they want to play together, uh, they don't know this, but one of them might be a little bit lower on uh, school's board <laughs> than, than his, his teammate or his friend or whoever he wants to play with. So they don't end up going together uh, because, you know, the schools target other guys. Uh, but this this is a situation where you have two five stars. And then in recruiting, uh, usually talented players don't leave the state of Alabama. And it's just something that both Rusty and I have kind of been conditioned to for the most part is if there's a guy in the state of Alabama and if Alabama wants him, or also, I mean, if Auburn wants him, just with their connections there, they usually don't leave the state. I mean, Kirby's – he's gotten some guys out of there. I mean, George Pickens obviously being a huge one. Uh, you know, Monty Rice was, was a big pickup for them as well. Uh, but this would be kind of a different thing. This would be very telling of uh, two guys that are, you know, among the two, three best players in the state of Alabama. If George is able to get them, it would be kind of a of – a, you know, a double upset uh, for Kirby Smart, but it, it's, it's, it, you know, I can't say that they don't have a chance because they've been in Athens as much as, as, as anywhere. I mean, they were, they've been regulars in Athens and every single time they take a visit, whether it's for the national championship celebration, to see practice during the spring games last fall, you know, we just maintain that uh, every time they get them on campus uh, it, it's, it's making us watch it a little bit more because it's it's showing us that the Georgia coaching staff thinks they got a shot, a legitimate shot. At the end of the day, though, it's, you know, they haven't taken an official visit to Alabama. Uh, they got their official visits uh, to Auburn, I believe, next week. So it's, it's one of those where I don't, don't want to say we'll have to see it to believe it, but, you know, it would prove a lot to us if it does happen. And as long as they keep getting on campus, they're trying to show us that they think it can't happen. Before we get out of here, I saw Jordan Harris asked, or he said, Herschel needs a statue. He's actually got one. I think it's in the sculptor's yard right now in Athens, because I was actually looking this up before. Uh, they sculpted a, a statue of Herschel. Uh, they had it at one point in Macon, because I think it was at like the High School Hall of Fame. Uh, and now it's back in Athens. I think you can see it from one of the barbecue restaurants. So it's here. It's just not on the campus. And maybe they ought to look at uh, bringing that thing in. <laughs> I mean, that, that's incredible. Uh, maybe it could just be a traveling statue. Uh, you know, you can kind of do a tour and people can take their pictures with it. It's the Instagram era. So uh, give everyone a chance to, to get their picture taken with the Herschel statue. So it'd be pretty good. Maybe you can just bring it to different restaurants, uh, different barbecue places. Hey, what I would do is bring it on the road and do like, you know, how they used to have Mike the Tiger set up and the, and the team had to walk by it. I think I'd be kind of intimidated if I had to walk by a number 34 statue. Uh, yeah, he could play right now and, and probably, you know, do some damage for – for any team in the country he still just looks like uh he still looks like he, he's in the octagon and ready to to get that mma fight going on on yeah he's just one of those guys that i would i would never uh do anything but look him in the eyes when they're talking to me and and he's definitely a yes sir kind of guy when, when he's speaking so yeah i think uh him uh that's probably a little bit more intimidated than uh you know maybe uh, a guy out there you put him out there and probably give Harry dog something to think about when he walks by. So I, I like it. I, I think it's a good idea. And uh, yeah, you can't think of a, of a better player at Georgia to, to, 
you know, have a statue out there to intimidate players in Herschel for sure. No doubt about it. Kip, anything else you want to hit on before we wrap this episode up? Yeah, I just think uh, overall this weekend, uh, the next couple of days for Georgia, going to be big. Obviously, seven on sevens continuing this week and next week. But uh, I think it's just one of those times where you kind of want to stay tuned and and, uh, stay on the site because uh, news could break at any moment. And I think right now, if news breaks, uh, it's probably recruiting. And if it's recruiting right now, it's probably good news for Georgia. Uh, They have a lot of momentum right now. And I think, uh, you know, that – nine commitments right now for the team. I think that number is going to grow. I think there's a good chance it's in double digits uh, before July. And, 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 you know, maybe they go into July or, you know, closer to 20 than they are to 10. It's just one of those situations where there's a lot of guys uh, who've told Georgia, you know, they want to come. And so now it's just up to see when these guys want to put that news out there. Very important stretch for Georgia, and obviously we're going to be all over it. Make sure and uh, check out the site. We'll have all kinds of nuggets when stuff starts coming out. Obviously, when there's breaking news, we'll be all over it uh, with a ton of stories. Uh, Well, we are going to wrap it up there. Thanks again to Kit for coming on. Thanks for everybody for watching, for listening, for asking questions. Keep the questions coming on the board because I'm sure we're going to do some more mailbag podcasts by the time the summer ends. A lot to still talk about, a lot of questions I know people won't answer. Uh, So we're going to get out of here on that. Thanks, everybody. Make sure and listen and subscribe and share the podcast. Let everybody know about it. Uh, But thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, take care. Go Braves.